what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. For organizations looking to enhance their customer relationships, this is Stepping Up Service. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Stepping Up Service. This is our show here on TheMesh.TV, where we talk about the world of customer service, delivering excellent customer service to customers, coworkers, anybody else we come into contact with, ranging from large businesses to small businesses, nonprofits, doesn't really matter. We all have a role in delivering some form of customer service to those that require some sort of service need from us. My name is Alan Jackson with the Jackson Group, and my co-host, as always, is here is Ed Gagnon with Customer Service Solutions. Ed, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Alan. How are you today? Doing wonderful. Good, good to see you good. today. Uh, what's been going on with you lately? Anything exciting or fun going on? Uh, yeah, actually, uh, we I might have mentioned this at a recent podcast, but we've just started up some new fan-oriented surveys for a major sports franchise, and uh, we actually got a contract with a school system as well, um, getting ready to do some focus groups for a hospital. So in some of our key industries, healthcare, education, um, as well as pro sports, we're actually uh, got some new contracts bubbling up, and we're always getting calls from existing clients. So just kind of like we preach about retention and growing with your existing customers, we've been real fortunate that even though we're getting some new business, uh, new customers in our targeted industries, we, we're still getting those phone calls from our current clients. That's great. Now, when you mentioned earlier on about a major sports franchise team, I got to ask, you're talking about the Hickory Crawdads, right? Uh, no. That's our uh, local no. ball team. I mean, I figured I hear major sports franchise. That's who I think of automatically. So, okay, so it's not the Hickory Crawdads. We can go and go on record as saying it's not them. Yes, but but one thing that is interesting is we did get a phone call from a Major League Baseball team last week. Okay. Uh, and even though we've done a lot of work with pro sports, we haven't done much with Major League Baseball right now. So maybe Hickory, uh-huh. they heard about Good us. Connection. Maybe they're a farm team to that Major League team. Yeah, who could knows? Be. Could that, be that some could connections. Be Good old Hickey yeah. Crawdads. That's our local favorite team there. So some good stuff. Yeah. But, uh, well, now, good. If I can uh, interrupt you just for a second, you sure. know, since you're asking about my company to ask uh, about yours, I saw something in the social media world about a week ago about uh, you uh, and the Mesh and Mary Margaret uh, Baker as well winning something called the Edison, uh, Edison Project Award. Right. So That's first right. of all, congratulations. That's well, great. Thank you. Appreciate uh, that. And can you tell me a little bit more about what the award was? I think it was related to the Mesh Network and and some of the great work y'all are doing. Is that right? Uh, Yeah, it was. And thanks for for bringing that up and asking about that. Uh, Yeah, the Mesh, you know, this network that you're listening to right now of audio, video, podcast that, that we put out on a regular basis. Uh, that is a uh, new startup company that we actually in, put into the competition for the Edison Project. Edison Project is by uh, put together by the Catawba County Chamber of Commerce, and it's also got a lot of supporters across the county here. And the idea is to recognize and then uh, select a top uh, winner as a startup, uh, as a good viable idea. So we put together you know, the business plans, the investor pitches, went through all the different uh, stages of the competition. We were against eight other really, really good companies. I mean, these are some great companies that we're actually going to kind of sprinkle in and talk about a little bit through some of our Mesh episodes over the coming months. Oh, great. Because these are some good companies that I think have some great ideas. We'd love to see them take off as well. But we were really fortunate to uh, have been selected as the winner of that competition. So I uh, got a little uh, seed money to kind of get some new things started here at the, at the Mesh. We got a lot of good 
good connections and a lot of good, uh, a lot of great information and learning from the process. So thanks to the Chamber of Commerce here in Catawba County for putting that uh, competition together. And it was really, really informative, great education. And it's given us a lot more ideas and, and uh, areas that we can really make this mesh network even stronger in the future. So, yeah, yeah, thanks for bringing that up, Ed. Appreciate that. Oh, sure. Well, you know, congratulations on the growth, you know, not only in the shows, but I know your listenership keeps going up and up. So I'm glad you're getting recognized for it. We're, we're seeing month-to-month growth on the network right now across the show. So that's really been uh, good to see. So thanks. And I think uh, you being a part of the show, Ed, has been a big part of that. And that's what we're going to lead right into is, is doing what we do best here on The Mesh is sharing some good information and having some good dialogue with our with our listeners. Ed, you know, our show here, we've always talked about this idea of customer service. And I think, you know, if you, if, if you ask me, Alan, what do you define as customer service? I've got my definition in my head. I feel pretty good about what I think customer service is. I could probably mm-hmm. ask you the same question. You're going to give something that might be a little different. You know, everybody, I think, has their own idea of what customer service is. So when you've got a situation where you're trying to get people in an organization all on the same page, but yet everybody may have that definition of customer service that's different, their, their idea of giving good customer service to a client may be very, very different than what the employee in the cubicle or office next to them may, may feel. How do we deal with that? How do we get everybody on the same page? What's the process involved in that? Well, that's a great question. And uh, one of the things that we really promote with a lot of our clients is this idea of if you want to get everybody on the same page, going in the same direction, you have to do a great job of defining what that page is. You know, what is the starting point? What is that core expectation? And a lot of the uh, companies, the clients that we deal with focus on at the staff level defining what we call customer service standards, okay. where you're saying at a bare minimum, this is what we expect of our staff in terms of how they'll treat each other, how they'll treat the customers. So one, one of the best ways you can get that common definition uh, is to really be intentional as an organization saying, you know, what do we expect of our employees in terms of the kind of behaviors that they're going to exhibit, the, the traits they're going to have when they're working with each other or working with those clients as well. So that that's a huge starting point, being very clear and intentional about what do you expect of staff. So and when we say we're setting those expectations, we're setting those standards, I mean, do some companies really get down to the very, very specific level, like even the type of words that are used and the type of that, I mean, or is it, are they kept more broad or is it kind of vary from organization to organization? Yeah, it does vary from organization to organization. Um, when, when you're talking about customer service standards, some organizations start at a high level. And I'll give you some real specific industry uh, examples in a minute, but some sort of a high level and say, we want our staff to be responsive. We want them to be timely. We want them to be customer focused. Uh, and they'll kind of leave it like that. They'll give broad definitions for each of those, and they'll try to really inculcate these traits in their staff. Others will actually um, go into details on the standard, such as maybe our standard is timeliness, but what does that mean? Well, it means that you're going to pick up every phone by the third ring. If you're going to be late for an appointment by more than 10 minutes, you're going to call that customer in advance and you're going to let them know that you're going to be late. Uh, if you're going to be out of the office more than, for more than 24 hours, here is the script that you're going to use on your voicemail so that people know if they need help sooner how they can get that help. So some organizations 
keep it high level. Other clients want to get a little bit more prescriptive about it, but what they're all trying to do is to set a common expectation with their staff. I see. Yeah. So, so what's the process involved with this? I mean, if a company says, okay, yeah, we would definitely need to set some better customer service standards going forward. I mean, mm-hmm. what, what do you typically see as a process for that? Well, well, the first thing you want to do is to have an understanding of your organization of what are your expectations of staff. And usually you want these to relate to what the organization's all about, what its values are about, what the mission is, maybe what the vision is aligned to these foundation statements. So, for example, uh, Alan, if I was to ask you, just generally speaking, what do you expect of your staff in terms of how they're going to communicate with each other, how they're going to work with clients or what kind of attitudes they convey? What what are the first things that pop into your mind when I ask you what you expect of your staff? You know, I expect obviously, you know, a, a high level of professionalism when interacting with, with customers, you know, uh, speaking professionally, referring to them in professional manner on things and always looking for ways to ask questions to learn more about what it is the customer's needing, the client's needing, asking those questions a lot. That's First mm-hmm. thing in my head, that's what I would hope anybody in any any role in our office would be doing. Well, and that, that's great because what you would do is if, if you have those certain thoughts in terms of developing customer service standards, right off the bat, you're saying professionalism is, is a basic expectation of any staff person. Secondly, having an inquisitive nature mm-hmm. is a basic expectation. We're not going to be passive. We're going to be proactive. We're going to ask questions. Uh, being customer needs focused, you mentioned as well. So if you were to say, I, I want to have an organization where we are known for being professional, we're being inquisitive, we're acting on and identifying those customer needs, then one of the first steps you're going to do as an organization is you're going to identify those, you're going to document them, uh, and then uh, you can get into a little bit of the process of rolling those out. But But let me give you a quick analogy about why this is so important to start by identifying what those are. It's kind of a parenting analogy. uh, And not that I'm equating our staff to kids, but we're we're just talking about expectation setting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just so so you know, I've got so many of my family members that work with me, but I do not technically have any of my kids working for me yet. Although I could (laughs) see that happening. So I'm going to go ahead and take notes because I could see in the next few years that may be something I've got to deal with anyway. So. Okay, well, that, that's good. And, uh, you know, that, that'll be interesting to see if that transpires, because <laughs> yes. I know it's it's kind of interesting relationships within a company, let alone when those relationships are not only with uh, coworkers, but with their with family members oh, or coworkers. Yes. So very, multiple very layers of, of, of interest. I'll just leave it and at that. Probably a whole other um, episode, too, to deal with. So we'll, we'll yeah, get exactly. into some other point. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let, let's say, for example, that one of your children – doesn't know what are acceptable behaviors uh, or one of any of our children. They don't know what are acceptable behaviors sometimes. So we, ha- we have to teach them what is acceptable, uh, what isn't. So, for for example, Alan, what are some examples of what you expect of your kids? You know, you can think very basically if you want to, like brushing your teeth, uh, what's the bedtime, yes or no, sir. What are just some basic examples of those things that you expect of your kids? So as far okay, so as far as kid standards, I expect. Well, you kind of mentioned some of them. I think the basic ones we do expect the room to be kept clean each day. 
Uh, we do hope and expect for the uh, t- the teeth to be brushed. Although I'll go ahead and tell you, with two young boys, that's probably one of the harder ones to keep going. But a big thing for me, Ed, a standard I really try to push is you know having my kids talk respectfully to adults, uh, whether it's yes sirs, yes ma'ams, no sirs, no ma'ams, instead of yes and nas and not looking them in, in the eye. So really, that's I think that's if I had to just right off the bat, those are some standards I can already see that we have in our house for our kids. Yeah, and those are great examples. And and as parents, we kind of have to ask ourselves, if we have these expectations of our kids, do the kids know that these expectations are there, that we expect these behaviors from them, these attitudes from them, how we communicate with adults, we have these expectations uh, of the kids. So, you know, they could get that just by watching us, you know, us leading by example, but sometimes leading by example isn't enough. We have to literally tell them, you know, hey, son, hey, daughter, hey, kids, or in, in the job world, you know, hey, coworkers, hey, employees, this is literally what I expect of you. Uh, I, I know when my daughter was in elementary school, her elementary school had these three different uh, points, and, and they were somewhat like core values. It was respect and responsibility and restraint, and they constantly talked about these. Um, and, and even though they were somewhat core values at the school, they were also setting the expectations with kids. We expect you to be respectful, expect you to be responsible, to show personal restraint. Now, customer service standards, uh, you know, they're generally a little bit more behavioral-based uh, and how customer service interaction should occur than being just values. And I'm, I'm going to kind of illustrate this, what okay. customer service standards are and how they apply with it with a sports analogy. Right. So uh, what? Why don't we use the uh, Tar Heels football team as an example of excellence? Oh, see, Ed, I uh, love when you do this because not only do you <laughs> either create games that I can win or you use things that you know I like. And there again, yes. big Tar Heels fan, so I am on board. Even if I didn't care about the topic you were just talking about yes. up until 30 seconds ago, now that I know we're going to talk Tar Heels, I'm totally on board. I'm ready to go. Yeah. Let's let's do this. Well, well I hate uh, I hate to burst the bubble here, Alan, but I was just kidding about Tar Heels football and excellence. <laughs> so oh, I know that's kind of cool. Oh, you're killing uh, me here. So, we're, so, we're, we're, we're Ed. We're a basketball uh, school. That, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a rough so, year in football. So all right, let's pour yeah. the wound in there. So uh, okay, I, I'm I'm going to use a different analogy, still football related. But I'm going to talk about Vince Lombardi, who you know you know I love Green Bay Packer, former coach. Love to use yeah. his analogies. Uh, and he talked when he talked about his job as a coach. He talked about the importance of everybody knowing their job, their role, what was expected. Uh, of them. And in football on offense in particular, you know, only one player has the ball at any given point in time, but there's 11 players on defense that are coming after that ball carrier. So for these plays to work, one offensive player alone cannot block the 11 defensive players. Everybody has a role that's a part of a team and they need to know what their role is, you know, in terms of blocking or running diversions or uh, whatever the case might be. Now in, in business, Likewise, our staff need to know what's expected of them. What's their attitude? What's their preparation? What's their focus? What's their uh, intensity or whatever aspect of their personality needs to be brought to bear to be a part of a great team to deliver great customer service? So you're not going to get what you want consistently if you don't say what you want. So this is what customer service standards are all about, where we are clearly saying what we want. I mean, imagine imagine going through a drive through at McDonald's mm-hmm. and they ask you uh, for your order and you don't say a word. Mm-hmm. Okay, what, uh, what are you going to get? You have no idea what you're going to get. <laughs> Probably a fish or, or, sandwich, which I hate. Uh, 
yeah, yeah. He, basically, let, let's say you did say something that you wanted to eat. Let's say you went up to the intercom and said, uh, you know, I want food and a drink. <laughs> I mean, who knows what you're going to get? I mean, even sometimes when you are specific, you don't know what you're going to get at a drive through But anyway, but the idea is that if, if we want something specifically, we have to clearly articulate what we want or else we're going to get inconsistency. We're not going to most likely get what we want with any kind of high level of performance. So if we want something positive that's consistently delivered, it all starts with stating it, not making a bunch of assumptions. Well, unless in your McDonald's situation, there happens to be someone, I'm going to go nameless on this, happens to be someone who might frequent the McDonald's near their house, maybe a little too often than they should, to the point where the people <laughs> there actually do know what this person wants without them having to say it. And voila, there's the McRib ready to go on the way out. So, uh, but yes, for the most part, you're right. I think you do have to state your expectations. You can't assume that people are going to know. Uh, not everybody is the frequent visitor of that said McDonald's. So, <laughs> okay. Mick, yeah. Big McRib fan somewhere in the Jackson group. Okay. Uh, maybe no. somewhere. I'm not going to say names. I'm not going to try to call them out, but you know. Maybe somebody yeah. on this podcast, who knows? All right. Yeah. Uh, so, yes. Yeah, so having, so stating those expectations instead of just assuming that everybody, because you maybe mentioned it one time in passing years ago, or because you're trying to model it yourself and you expect everybody else is going to follow suit, make those are all assumptions and expectations uh, that you're making about these people. You can't make those assumptions. I hear you loud and clear. It's, it's restating it and making sure everybody clearly gets that message, right? Right. And that's a good segue into the process. You started out by asking about the process and you can basically think about the process in, in four core steps. You know, the first thing you have to do is obviously define those expectations, articulate them, document them, document them. This is what I expect of you employees in terms of how you're going to treat each other, how you're going to treat the customers. These are the kind of behaviors and communications you're going to have. Second, you want to communicate those expectations to the staff. You want to train the staff on how to exhibit those particular behaviors. So we, we have one client that literally they have a big blue banner in about three or four places in their department. It's the department of about 100, 150 employees, uh, and it has the customer service standards listed. And when we develop and deliver the training uh, in, in the core customer service training, service excellence training we do for them, we go through the customer service standards. So it's not only literally on the walls. Uh, it's not only uh, literally in, in, in the training, but they also take it to the next step where they base their customer service awards based on the standards, who's exhibited timeliness, who's exhibited these certain uh, ethical or communication characteristics, which are three of the five standards. But they also put it in surveys. They put it in performance evaluation. So that really gets at process steps three and four. Three is motivating, okay. where you're aligning rewards and recognition with what these expectations are. Uh, and then four is holding people accountable, where you're literally surveying customers, you're literally putting them in employee evaluations. But it all starts with the leadership saying, this is what I expect, uh, documenting it, and then launching the communication plan. Well, yeah, because even the motivating and holding people accountable, I mean, that's a, that's a fruitless effort if you haven't done a good job of communicating and sharing those expectations. Again, everybody's going after different targets. 
and they don't know if it's the targets that the company really wants them to go after or not. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, some sometimes people don't like award systems because how the the awards or recognition is generated it seems arbitrary. Yeah. Uh, you know, sometimes people don't like being uh, dinged on their evaluations because it seems so subjective. So the starting point is let's clearly articulate what we expect. So when we give an award, everybody understands why the person's getting an award. If we have to give an evaluation that's not very positive, people understand that, hey, this expectation was set a year ago. Uh, We've been talking about it on an ongoing basis for a year. We've been measuring against it. And this individual or this group or this team or this organization is just not hitting the mark. Okay. So what we're going to do in just a minute is to actually start getting into different examples about sports uh, and how they use customer service standards, government, how they use customer service standards and healthcare as well. Well, perfect. Well, it sounds like a good chance. Let's take a quick little break then if we can. When we come back, that's going to be great. Let's go into some of those examples from those different industries of places where customer service standards are being set and used and, uh, and, and how they're doing that. We'll be right back with Stepping Up Service here in just a moment. We'll get back to your show in a moment. Just a reminder, you're listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Find out more at themesh.tv and give us feedback on what you like. And now, as promised, back to your show. Welcome back to Stepping Up Service here on TheMesh.TV. We're talking with Ed Gagnon uh, from Customer Service Solutions about the idea of setting customer service standards. Ed, your company, Customer Service Solutions, before we get back into our topic, just to remind everybody, your company, you spend a lot of time working with clients and organizations on doing some of these things we're talking about, setting the standards, helping them map out their customer service processes and doing some of the training and learning about that customer service culture that they may have. Uh, You've got a website, cssamerica.com. People can go there. You've got a blog post. I know you put a lot of stuff on social media, newsletters, and all those things, too, that people can sign up for, correct? That's definitely right. We try to put as many resources as possible out there so people can continuously learn and grow in in, in their performance. Right. So go to cssamerica.com, sign up for his email list, uh, check out his blog post, just a lot of good information. It really kind of syncs up nicely with the kind of stuff we talk about on the show here as well. We try to carry some of those topics back and forth from your own personal and company websites there. So Ed, coming back to this, uh, talking about customer service standards, we already went through the process of the things you have to do. You've got to document your customer service standards. You've got to communicate them. You've got to be have them be motivating to staff and team members to get on the same page with it. And then holding people accountable for making sure that those standards are being upheld, whether it be through review processes, evaluations, whatever it may be. Now, you had mentioned you wanted to share with us some examples of some different industries uh, that have customer service standards in place and what they're doing with them. So I'd love to hear some of those. Okay, sure. And we'll go through three different industry examples. These are clients where we've actually worked with them on developing the standards and or somehow trying to, to get those standards embedded in the organization. And the first is actually a pro basketball team. Okay. Uh, and they develop six different customer service standards for the organization. The first is product knowledge and they wanted staff to know their product that product being the team the arena the policies 
contact information, you know, everything about the fan experience. So that was very important that, that the staff knew the product that, that, that they were talking to customers about. The second is they wanted them to have uh, a customer orientation where uh, they would always have the customer top of mind when they were doing something, when they were making decisions, they were asking themselves, how would this impact the customer? When they were having an interaction, they were focused on the customer, not on the computer, not on the smartphone. So customer orientation was second. Third is an ownership mindset where you're literally saying, hey, even if this issue uh, does not pertain to my area, I'm going to own it. I'm going to take the responsibility of getting them in touch with the person who can help them, even if it's not me. Fourth, courtesy and respect in their attitude. That's fairly self-explanatory. You know, it's just being in your body language, tone of voice, the words you use, very professional. And the fifth is collaborative approach, Mm -hmm. Uh, especially in pro sports organizations, very siloed typically. Uh, So they wanted to make sure that their customer service standards were not just applying to the fans. They were applying to each other as well, working together to come up with solutions. And finally, uh, quality focus, where it wasn't just a matter of doing something, but it was trying to do things right the first time, not to just continually solve the same problem over and over again, but to look to find root causes on those chronic issues. And you know, Ed, this is still so so fascinating for me that people, when you think of organizations needing to focus on customer service, pro basketball team is not one that many people think or realize have just as much of a need for these customer service standards as any other company. Uh, It's really fascinating to think about that. And uh, if I could play what maybe some of our listeners are doing a little bit from a devil's advocate standpoint and and kind of set this up for you. So, okay, so you list off these six things that this one sports client uses and has as their customer service standards. If I'm looking at these, I think, you know what, most of these, I mean, definitely three, four, maybe even all, maybe five of the six of them are pretty, I would think, basic, common, what I would expect from a customer service standards. So why, how would you address somebody who just says, you know what, these are all things that everybody should know these already. These are pretty much commonplace things that anybody ought to have for to be a good customer service person. Why, what was the, what was the reasoning in your mind for an organization like the pro basketball team to actually write these down and put them down and, and keep them in front of people, even if they may all be somewhat common sense geared, you know, in a way. Yeah, and that, that's a good question. The prior to, to getting into the why behind the what here, just just think about, you know, it should be common sense that our kids are going to brush their teeth at night. You know, it should be common sense, you know, that they're going to wash their hands before dinner, that they're going to say yes, sir, no, sir, that they're going to make eye contact. when. So, so things that might seem like common sense doesn't necessarily mean that those are things, those are behaviors that actually occur. Right. But when this uh, pro basketball team, who they're from Orlando, I won't say what the name is. <laughs> But what they were trying to do is to create a very common and consistent magic level of service. So that they were trying to say you know, when people come to the organization, they don't want the service to be dependent on what individual employee I'm talking to. They, they want to define what they want that experience to be like. Uh, so they wanted to be more consistent about it, more intentional about it. Uh, and they knew the starting point was defining what these things were. And, and they were having a lot of issues with having a siloed nature. And they knew how that was not only impacting and straining relationships between different departments and different employees, but oftentimes to meet a fan's need, a season ticket holder's need, they needed cooperation between the different departments. And if they didn't talk about the fact they needed that and started looking at how they measure performance as an organization needing to be more organization-wide as opposed to individual department-wide, wise uh, in terms of their metrics, 
then they really would not have you know started moving in this direction because they had to identify what they wanted before they could actually go down that road to get it well i'm glad you mentioned that i, I knew i was kind of setting you up for the for the answer there because i it is something i've had people ask before when we talk about things like why is it important to remind people about customer satisfaction and some of these aspects? Because it seems like it's pretty, pretty straightforward. Everybody should treat people with courtesy and respect. Everybody should try to work together. Everybody should focus on quality. But you're right. I mean, sometimes we take for granted that people are keeping that in the front of their mind site, and sometimes they're just not. It's not that, exactly. they're, it's not that they're trying not to do those things. It's just sometimes mm-hmm. you have to keep it visible in front of people even sometimes them just seeing the words in front of them on a regular basis helps them keep that same mindset going and doesn't let it slip. So, I, I, right. yeah, you're right. I mean, it's, uh, we, we have expectations that we hope people would do these things, but we can't take that, that chance that they're not staying in the front of their mindset like they should. Yeah. Right. And, you know, some of it, and I won't, I won't go into this point in a tremendous amount of detail, but I know a lot of uh, people nowadays, the, the younger folks, as they say, not that we're older, although, no, no, you know, we do not. have kids at least. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we, we can make the assumptions that, well, you know, they, they should have that common expectation of what is courtesy and respect and how do you communicate face to face with somebody and how do you diffuse the IRA customer and how do you work collaboratively with folks. But so many kids nowadays, they're spending so much time with the technology, communicating with the thumbs, doing the texting, uh, that we can't assume that those skills are there when we hire them. We, we have to do uh, the work that we need to do to make sure that if we're hiring somebody into a position, especially because of some skill or technical knowledge they have, that they're also learning uh, a lot of these attitudes and mindsets and communication skills that we expect as well. Right. Okay. Good point. Yeah. All right. So what's, yeah. uh, what's another one? You said you had an example from government, right? Yeah, I sure do. And this is a government client of ours we've worked with for years. It's a, it's a county government, and they actually have five different customer service standards. The, the first is service quality, where they want to make sure that literally we are not only trying to adhere to the policies of the government, the procedure of the government, but we're balancing that with trying to meet the needs of, of the client, the resident, the taxpayer, the builder as well. So they want to make sure that the, what they deliver is of high quality and it's somehow balancing those policy-oriented requirements, the statutory requirements, and the needs of the customer. Uh, The second is ethics, doing what is Mm. fundamentally right, uh, very important in government. The third is timeliness, that we're not just going to do the work, do it high quality, but we're going to do it in a time that meets that customer's expectations. If we can't, then we're going to communicate with that customer what should be a reasonable expectation. Mm-hmm. The fourth, it's very similar to what we have with the MBA example, is courtesy and respect. Okay. Uh, and then the fifth is communication, where we're going to communicate very clearly, very deliberately saying what we intend to say with the customer. So those are some examples, service quality, ethics, timeliness, courtesy and respect and communication from the government perspective. And yeah, it's, it's just, it's interesting to me too, again, for anybody who thinks that customer service standards are pretty generic and everybody's going to have the same ones. You've just listed off two different industries. And even though they overlapped on one, maybe there's a second one that has a lot of connection with it. These are pretty distinct standards for these industries that these are things they have now said, this is important to us. And it may be right. a little unique to us. It may be unique to our situation or our industry. That's that's just really interesting to me. So yeah, and you're going to see a tiny bit of overlap with the third industry that's healthcare. But again, there's some things that are very unique, and we'll we'll see why there are some unique uh, characteristics between these three different industries. Mm-hmm. This is a hospital client of ours. We didn't help them to de- develop these particular standards, but again, we helped with the communication of these standards to staff with some of the training. So this is a hospital. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first standard was 
attitude that we're going to make the customer feel welcome. The second was appearance, huh. that, that the physical appearance and the individual are going to physically uh, present themselves with their wardrobe, with their personal upkeep uh, in, in a very professional manner. Wow, the third yep, third is communication. And when they talk about communication, they talk about listening and initiating conversation with customers mm-hmm. uh, and making them feel important. The fourth is customer needs, where they're going to acknowledge needs and be responsive to those needs and issues. The fifth is really interesting. It's elevator etiquette. Okay. And that's because oftentimes the, the employees find themselves either pushing uh, a patient, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's on a gurney or uh, in a wheelchair, on an elevator, they find themselves in elevators with patients and family members, and they need to be cognizant of the fact of, well, who should enter first, who should exit first, what should you say and not say wow. uh, you know, with those folks? How do you engage them in the elevator in that confined space where everything you do and say is magnified and amplified with the, with the customers in the room? Wow, so that um, one got the, pretty specific. I mean, that's really focused on yes. a specific place, location, and type of action in a hospital, but it's obviously something they realized had some impacts on patient experiences and they wanted to make yeah. sure they took care of. That's exactly right. Um, and, and also very specific to healthcare, the last two, customer waiting, because there are, all, there are so many process steps, there are so many waits. So they were very focused on uh, conveying to staff the need to communicate during waits, reasons for delays, the importance of doing that, and then finally privacy. Uh, you know that 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 we have to discuss things with patients, family members in a very confidential manner. We need to uh, share confidential information uh, on a need to know basis with what's in line with with the the laws, HIPAA, et cetera. So uh, when you actually look across these three different. Uh, industries, you notice there are some similarities, but they're really tailoring their expectations based on what the industry is and what's unique about their customer groups. Yeah, and I think that's great to see, and that is a good argument for anybody who thinks that customer service standards are just generic and everybody can adopt the same ones. I think that's really, really interesting. And you know, the thing that going back to the elevator etiquette, which I'm still just really that that's a neat one, I think, to, to discuss. <laughs> it's so specific. But, you know, for anybody who says, okay, well, again, that should be common sense how we treat people even when we are with them in an elevator. But I guarantee you the typical staff person who gets in their routine, they're doing their job. They've been doing it for months, weeks, years on end, whatever it may be. Sometimes it's real easy to kind of forget a little bit about, wow, okay, now I'm in an elevator with a patient. There is certain protocol we're supposed to follow or certain kind of etiquette. Just having these standards printed somewhere, distributed, visible in a lot of places, repeated and reminded to the, the staff, it just keeps them in. So when they do pull up into that elevator with a patient, that's going to be a lot more readily accessible on their brain than it would have been otherwise. And I think that's what you're trying to tell us is having them communicated and really clearly labeled everywhere. It's just, it keeps it in front of everybody and keeps them from forgetting those standards or getting lost in, in other things and overlooking those standards. Right. And, and that's a great point when you're talking about down the road, people thinking about it, keeping it top of mind. Remember, we said the starting point was defining the standards, but we talked about the need to train and communicate with step two. Step three was align to reward, recognition, motivate. And step four uh, was the accountability piece. But you can't do any of that. You can't do any of that reinforcement with any consistency, with any credibility. You can't do those rewards and accountability uh, without having some meat behind it unless you take 
take the first step and you say, this is what we expect. This is how it applies to our world, our industry, our company, our customers. And that's what we call defining customer service standards. Wow. So it sounds like to me what an organization would go through if they said to themselves, all right, you know, we, we, we value customer service. We know this is important. It's time for us to get these things standardized and get these expectations put out there. It's really kind of really talking as a company and trying to figure out what is important to us, what are, should our standards be, whether they do that internally or they bring in some outside help to help them align those strategies and those expectations. But getting them together, getting good agreement all the way around on how that's to be done, then it's figuring out the best way to get those communicated and shared out there with the team and figuring out that follow-through with accountability and keeping people motivated on them. So. Right. And for most organizations that want to go this route, develop the customer service standards, oftentimes it comes out of one of two things, either an organization that really is focused on this is our purpose or mission, this is our vision. In order to get there, we need to start seeing certain behaviors from staff. So it's that proactive company. The other company is the reactive company where uh, they have leadership that is hearing complaints over and over again and inconsistency over and over again. And, you know, I don't want Jerry to have to deal with this customer because I know it'll be a bad experience. I want Mary to deal with all these customers. And then you have employees uh, arguing about a, a disparity in workload and, and the leader is dealing with all these different issues. And it's because they never took the time to just take a step back and say, hey, this is specifically what I expect of everybody. Uh, well, let's set that common expectation and let's uh, deal with the, the root cause of, of all these complaints I'm getting by, by setting that common expectation and then beginning that process you and I've talked about to actually inculcate it in the company. That's great. Very good. Yeah. So customer service standards, there's a lot of importance behind them. It is a process to follow to get those in place, and it's not enough to just draw them up and stick them on a shelf somewhere. It's really taking them and making them an active part of the organization through reminding and motivating and keeping things accountable. But it is a way of getting everybody, it sounds like, on the same page. So everybody is delivering what the, the, the company expects of them and not letting everybody, like I started out the conversation saying, kind of have their own ideas of what customer service is to them and how to deliver it to, to customers or patients or coworkers or anything else. Yeah. That's exactly right. If you want to define the company X way of doing things, or if you want to achieve that, you have to start by defining it and then defining what specific behaviors from your employees will lead you to that company X experience, you know, what you want to be known for. Perfect. And thanks so much for the discussion on that. Now, we always sure. try to end up our show. Do you have a customer service experience to share? I forgot to ask you before we turned on here. Do you have one for today? Sure. Yeah. No, you do. Okay. Because I've yeah. got one. Mine's a positive one. Okay. And actually, it's going to tie in to a little bit of one of the uh, customer service standards that you talked about. Uh, Great. Which I would not be surprised if this organization didn't have some sort of standard in place about this. But uh, let me go ahead and tell my story. It's a positive one. And then uh, I'll let you do yours. This is where guys okay. listening to the show, you know, in the course of a day, we may have a customer service experience of our own, be either positive or negative, and something we think we can all learn from, whether it's good or bad. There's obviously a good learning opportunity from our own personal experiences. So, Ed, I have been, uh, I'm a Rotarian, a member of a Rotary Club, and we have our weekly lunch meetings at a local country club here in the area. I've been a member of the club for about eight or nine years, so I've been there for a while, but it's just been this past year I've been serving as the president of the club. And uh, the wait staff at this particular country club has always been really good. They're a good wait staff. They really take care of uh, our members. But when I started serving as president, I was up at the head table, and all of a sudden the one waitress, this hostess that is assigned to that table, Got to know me a little bit the first couple of weeks. You know, we talked a little bit, asked a lot of questions about Rotary. She was kind of inquisitive, wanted to learn more. But she also found out pretty quickly that I really like unsweetened iced tea and I like having a cup of coffee after lunch. 
So within two to three weeks, she knew that to the point where I would show up, she'd greet me. And without me even having to say anything, she knew exactly what I wanted to drink. And she knew that the iced tea could come first. And then she would bring me the coffee a little bit later in the meal. She knew it was not good to bring it at the very beginning. Let's let it be warm when I get to the end of the meal. To the point where I didn't even have to say anything anymore. And I felt really, it just really made me feel like this person actually took a little bit of her her, uh, brain capacity reserved to know what my preference is and and how I like to have the, the things to drink. Now, of course, I was thinking this was really special because, yeah, I'm the Rotary Club president. She's probably, <laughs> you know, that's probably just one of her deals and she has to kind of know what the president of the club wants at that time. No, I, I found out just recently talking to some other members that, that she's that way with most of the members in the club for the wow. tables where she serves. She knows what their preferences are timing-wise and drinks and all that, and she just takes care of it. And wow. Plus, A, I don't have the men, the memory capacity to even do that on my own. I can barely remember people's names. But the fact that she's doing that and you know keeping it consistent and just making it a real enjoyable experience, it's that whole getting to know who your customers are. And I guarantee you at the country club, they probably have an expectation of you will know the members. You will know what they like. You will know what they don't like. And we're going to work to make sure they've got the best experience possible. So uh, I even just saw her just a little bit ago. I had to go to a, a different type of function at that same country club. Sure enough, she's there. There's my ice, unsweetened iced tea, and I got coffee wow. a little later. Yeah. How great is that? You know? That, that, that's amazing. Now, my big question, Alan, is did she bring you a McRib? <laughs> we haven't crossed the uh, McDonald's fast food preferences yet with this relationship. Oh. Uh, she's oh. just on liquids at this point. But um, <laughs> I could see very soon that, you know, you know, that's assuming I was the person that liked having McRibs. Eh, you know, maybe, maybe not. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, good point. I should make that assumption. <laughs> yeah, you did make an assumption. That was not something I, I sure communicated did. to you. You made an assumption that I, I sure like McDonald's McRib sandwiches. So. Yes. All right. Well, Ed, do you have a story for us? Yeah, I do. It's uh, it's about a person uh, who runs the company who uh, does the fertilizing, weed killing of our lawn. Okay. You know, basically lawn maintenance uh, individual and. Uh, we've had some issues with our grass not growing, and we we're trying to decide whether to aerate this year or whether to, you know, what to do with our yard because we're just having lots of issues with getting grass growing. So he came out. He he met me at the house just for a consulting visit, and and what was interesting is, you know, he obviously said what he could do to help us out, um, but there were a lot of cases where we wanted something done, and he was very clear on what he couldn't do. Now, when somebody's very clear on what they can't do, this conversation, those conversations can go negative very quickly. But it was interesting how he handled it. You know, for example, uh, he said his company could not aerate soon for us. They were just too backed up. Um, but they could schedule something later for us, or if we wanted to do something on their own, he told us how to lay seed appropriately uh, in this tough area. Um, He said there were certain areas where we could not grow regular grass. We had to use shade grass or shade tolerant grass. Um, So he he told us we couldn't use the regular grass, but he told us what kind of grass we could grow there. We have tons of trees in in our house, as you're going to start surmising from these examples, Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's part of the reason why we had to use the shade grass. He said in certain areas he couldn't promise that we could get grass to grow at all because of limited sun he said it takes six hours of sun usually to grow grass and in some areas we were probably getting one two three hours at the most of sun um but we were gonna have some folks come out to possibly uh cut down some tree limbs and he said ask those 
uh, folks about where they think they can impact the amount of sun we get by trimming back. Mm -hmm. um, he couldn't guarantee that we could get grass growing in certain areas, even if we did trim back, particularly on the left side of our house. But he did suggest that we did some uh, converting from grass to a natural area on the right side of our house. Mm -hmm. And he said something like that would work on the left side. So this is a situation where we asked about what we could do. Uh, and four times he had to tell us no. But but each time he told us no, that's not something they could help with. He offered some hope, some idea, some alternative uh, that, that we could pursue. So that, that was just great for somebody who's actually telling you no repeatedly to some of your needs. And yet you still felt like you had the next step. Well, and that's great. I mean, I know so many companies strive, and I think we've even had a history at our own company of not wanting to say no, if at all possible, to somebody. But I think there's some value in the no. I think, A, you're not going to sell somebody on something that you can't do. I think too many times people feel like they need to say yes, and they'll figure it out as they go along. And that's not always the safest move for a client. Um, Correct. But you're right. I mean, there's a difference between the flat no, of just nope, that's not something we do. Sorry. Versus the, no, we can't help you there. However, here's what we would recommend or some paths you could take. I'd much rather have that kind of experience than somebody just say yes, and then we figure out down the road that they really didn't quite know what to do or didn't have the best process in place for it. So Exactly. Yeah. So two positive stories to end with this hey, week. Hey, that's good. We're in a or good mood. Month, good yes. mood this week. We're starting off into a good weekend here. It's going to be a nice, beautiful weekend, I think, uh, Looking forward to it. I love the fall weather, so I'm excited about that. We're kind of really getting into some nice cooler weather here in the area. So, Ed, thanks so much for talking with us today about setting customer service standards and the importance of that. I think there again, something we can all learn from. I even made some notes myself for my own company here. Ed, Ed Gagnon is with Customer Service Solutions, which is uh, you can find out more about them on the web at cssamerica.com. Again, he's got blog posts. He's got email newsletters you can sign up for, uh, articles and resources, just a lot information up there to really poke around and see kind of where uh, where Ed's company is going and the kind of work that they're doing for people right now. And it does act as a nice complement to the Stepping Up Service podcast series as well. And then I'm Alan Jackson with the Jackson Group. We conduct uh, employee and customer satisfaction surveys for healthcare and a variety of other industries as well. You can learn more about us at thejacksongroup.com. And, of course, you're listening to Stepping Up Service here on TheMesh.TV. This is our network of online media uh, hosting audio and video shows and distributing them across the nation and across the world. You can learn more about our network at TheMesh.TV. Of course, you can always find us on Apple iTunes, on Stitcher Radio, and any other platform where people can find podcasts or streamable media. Uh, you can search for us and see. We've got a ton of other shows on the network. I think we're around 13 or 14 different ongoing shows at the moment. So some good stuff out there, and some of them are business-related. That would be a good complement to these shows as well. So with that, we're going to sign off. Ed, we'll look forward to talking to you next time. All right. Thanks, Alan. Appreciate it. All right. It. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll talk to you next time here on Stepping Up Service. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.